The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up the mountain to pray. While he was praying, his face changed in appearance, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were conversing with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions had been overcome by sleep, but becoming fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As they were about to part from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he did not know what he was saying. While he was still speaking, a cloud came and cast a shadow over them, and they became frightened when they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my chosen son. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They fell silent and did not at that time tell anyone what they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. The church commemorates the Feast of the Transfiguration of our Lord every year on August the 6th. But in her providence and her love for us as a mother, she also gives it to us this weekend on this second Sunday of Lent. The Feast of the Transfiguration, the, the event of the Transfiguration, was a moment of encouragement for the Apostles. For Peter, James, and John specifically, who were the ones to be able to behold this great miracle. This revelation of the Son of God. It was such that the Lord gave them this special gift. So that later on, whenever they would know that Christ was crucified, when John would see it with his own eyes. When they would hear about the story of the resurrection of Christ from the dead. They would be able to know that these things are possible. Because Christ had revealed something that was utterly unreal to them already it would make it easier for them to understand and certainly easier to be able to profess belief in that the Lord has done all of these things because he can do them because he is the son of God it's an encouragement also to us during this Lenten season that we can kind of keep the Lord and his glory in our mind so that we can remain faithful to our own carrying of the cross So whenever times become difficult for us, whenever we really, really want whatever it is that we've given up for Lent, then we can know that the Lord is with us. He who is radiant in glory. For us today specifically, though, in praying with these readings and praying particularly with the gospel, it seems that there were three very specific things that the Lord was inviting us to enter into. In my prayer, I know the Lord was inviting me, and I trust that it will be a benefit to you as well to hear it. Those three specific things that came in the gospel today are first, Jesus needed to pray. Secondly, we are not home yet. And thirdly, we need to experience silence. First is Jesus needed to pray. 
We see it in the Lord's you know, major events most clearly. That the first thing that happens after his baptism, as we heard last week, or, yeah, last week, I think. Uh, it seems like Lent has been super long already. It's only the second Sunday. We heard that the Lord was immediately led out after his baptism into the desert to be tempted. And there he fasted and he prayed. We know that before the choosing the twelve, the Lord went upon the mountain to convene, to, to pray to the Father, to be in union with the Father. And then coming back, he chose the twelve. Before going to his passion and his death, he went out to the Mount of Olives. And there he went to pray. Today he goes in the mountain. Before revealing his glory, but before revealing to the disciples, this great, this great mystery. First, he goes to pray. Countless times in the Gospels, stories begin with, after the Lord came down from the mountain from praying, and then proceed from there. It's the reality that Jesus needed to pray. He needed to keep in union with God the Father. And in very blunt terms, If Jesus needs to pray, I need to pray. And if I need to pray, I think all of us need to pray, right? It's the simple reality that that Christ needed the union with the Father. It wasn't something that he could just kind of make do with, knowing that he was the Son of God. He had to maintain a steady communion with the Father, a steady conversation. I know for myself, it's easy to be caught up... So much in doing the things of the Lord, to be about the Lord's work, to, to, to work in the name of Jesus, to, to, to preach in the name of Jesus, to teach about Christ, to go and to do the things of our Lord. And how easy it is for me still to forget to actually speak to him in prayer, to rest, to set aside time to be with him and him alone, not simply to be talking with, with others about him, but to be with him. That's what the Lord invites us to, is to come and to have prayer and to have real prayer, deep prayer. There's a distinction between just our, our normal kind of, you know, rote prayers that we can say without even having to think about it. Countless times during the course of my own daily prayers that I'm obliged to pray, I'll get to the end of the prayer and I'll sit there and I'll go, did I finish that? I think I finished that. And then I'll start over. And I'll get to the end again and go, Wait. Did I finish it again? What happened? Because it's so easy to, to allow the words to come off of our lips because they're, they're ingrained in us. And yet the Lord desires something much more profound for us. I was reflecting on this in light of our first reading that we heard today. Of how Abram went out. And the, the, the Lord tells him, go and count the stars, go and count the number of the stars in the sky if you can. It's an interesting phrase, you know, the Lord says, if you can, because you would think well, there's so many of them, you just can't count them. But our, our scripture professor at the seminary pointed out that as the passage goes along, later on it says, and then the sun went down. So it's as if the Lord was saying, go count the stars in the middle of the day. Let me know how that works out for you. If you can count them, go ahead. We all know that you can go out in the middle of the day and... Certain times of the year, if there are real bright stars, you can go, well, there's, I see that one, and that one, so that's two. <laughs> we know that the sun is a star, you know, so I guess that counts as three, you know. But when you go out at night, it's a 
whole different experience. I've often reflected just in the, the reality of hearing people that have grown up in the city, that, that from their childhood to adulthood lived always in the city. When they came out to the accounts of people who experienced this, they didn't really see stars in the city. When they came out to the country somewhere, they looked in the sky and they go, holy cow. Is that what it looks like? Just dumbfounded at the beauty of what was there. And yet, so, so easily it was drowned out by the light in their homes. And how prayer can be the same for us. How God desires us to have this rich, profound experience of prayer. But so often the busyness of our daily life and our own, our own inability to make the time, to take the time, and to really work to pray. Prayer is work. To work to pray. How easy it is for us to settle for the one, two, three that we find. Rather than to rejoice in the gifts of the richness of the skies of night. We're called to pray. To encounter our Lord. To speak heart to heart. And to rejoice in his love that he shares with us. The second thing is that we are not home yet. I was thinking about this the other day, just the, the reality of kind of the, the transitoriness of my own life. Um, how whenever I speak about the place where I live, I don't refer to it as my house. I refer to it as the rectory. I never say really, I'm going home. I'm going to my, to my house. I'm going to the rectory. And as I was thinking about it, it was a reminder to me that in a rare old sense, like I'd I'm kind of homeless. Not actually, but in a sense, I don't have a home where I'm going to say, like, this is my home. This is where I live. This is where I stay. This is where I have roots. And this is exactly what the Lord speaks to all of us. Is that though we may have a home, that we may call it our home, that we may have our roots set in a particular, a particular church, a particular community, a particular location, ultimately... We are not home yet. St. Paul, in writing to the Philippians, he spoke and he said, you know, these others settle for their earthly things. He says, but we, for us, our citizenship is in heaven. We're foreigners here. We don't belong here. St. Paul elsewhere would describe it as we are strangers and sojourners. For people walking around this earth, but this is not our home. That is our home. Heaven is our home. And we're not there yet. Whenever Moses and Elijah came to speak with our Lord, it's interesting the, the phrasing that, that St. Luke gives to this as, as they were discussing everything. He says they were discussing the exodus he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. Exodus is a very clear word for us. When you hear the word Exodus, you think the book of Exodus, right? We think of the story of the people of Israel, how they were in Egypt. They were in, in their bonds and slavery, and they were brought out by the Lord. They, they came out from their slavery. They were freed. They wandered in the desert. There, they were tried. They were tested. They were put to the test to be able to prove their faith. They struggled at times, but they repented. They had to rely upon the Lord to provide food for them, manna in the desert to be able to strengthen them, water broken forth from a rock. 
and ultimately to bring them forth into the promised land of Israel, the place flowing with milk and honey, a land of sweetness and of joy. And this is what Jesus is doing. He was preparing to accomplish an exodus for us because we are Israel. We're the new Israel who rather than being slaves in, in a physical sense and bonds to a, uh, to a people, to a nation, we are slaves of sin. And Christ wants to conquer that, to free us. He wants to free us from our sins and to bring us out into the desert to be able to grow in our faith. This is the, the course of our life. The church is where we live out this life in the desert. Where we continue to come and to pray. Where we strive in faith and when we fall we repent. We come to our Lord and we ask him to give us our daily bread to strengthen us. We too rely upon a miraculous bread from heaven. Unlike the manna of the old, today we have the manna of Christ. The Eucharist itself. Our Lord himself sustains us. And we're looking forward to going to that promised land that awaits us. Not a physical place here on earth, but the gift of heaven. We're called to go home there. Here, we are strangers. We are citizens of heaven. And we are not home yet. The third thing the Lord invites of us today is to embrace silence. Silence is something that's kind of a, a cultivated taste, I think, sometimes. When I was a child, I hated silence. I grew up in a house where there wasn't a lot of silence around. There was basically TV in every room, and it was always on. I went to sleep with TV. I woke up with TV. There was always TV in the background. There was always some kind of noise. I remember going out one day with my dad, and he wanted to go on a, to, to go on a little nature hike, a little nature trail uh, that was nearby his house up in Ohio. And I was like, cool, a new place. Let's go explore a little bit. So we went out in this, into this you know, forest, and it was the fall. So all the, all the leaves were all over the ground. It was you know, nice. It was good. And we were walking. We were talking. And then there was a bench. He's like, son, let's sit down. And we sat. And we sat. And it was silent. There was not a sound. And for several minutes, this went by. And I started kicking the leaves, picking stuff up to throw, humming songs to myself, because I didn't know what to do with silence. It was, it, was, it was like nails on the chalkboard to me. I hated it, and I had to stop it. Silence, though, is a gift, from a, a gift to us from the Lord. Because it's the place where we're able to hear him speak. But also it's the proper disposition of our, of, our, of our soul, of our body, of our mind, whenever he actually does speak. Because first, it's important for us to make time for silence in our lives. To, to ensure that we have times of quiet. Both audibly as well as physically, you know, our, our calendar wise. It's good for us to have moments where we can simply rest. But also, that whenever the Lord comes and reveals himself to us, to be willing to rest then too. 
when the Lord reveals himself, when, when, when the Lord kind of radiates his glory, the disciples are immediately like, all right, we've got to tell some people. Let's get some tents together. Moses and Elijah and Jesus are here. Man, we've got, we got the, the, the dynamic trio here. Let's set up tents. This is going to be amazing. We're going to have a great time. We'll go get the rest of the guys. It'll be, it'll be awesome. Come on, Lord. And, and it says, it says of, of Peter, he had no idea what he was saying. <laughs> Poor Peter. <laughs> He has no idea what he's saying. He didn't understand what was happening. He was just super excited. He was like, he's like, man, the Old Testament's happening right here. Cool. Let's celebrate it. But then as he was speaking, it says, a cloud comes over them and a voice from heaven says, this is my chosen one, my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. As the cloud departed, Jesus was found alone. Moses and Elijah are gone. And it says they begin to go down the mountain and they fell silent. And they didn't say a thing to anyone about it. They fell silent. In the face of the revelation of God, the proper disposition is absolute awe. We don't have words for it. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do to adequately respond when God reveals himself to you. You just have to stand there and experience it. To be in awe. How often this happens in our own lives where the Lord wants to come and show us himself in some way. And yet... Silence is difficult for us very often in those moments. Where a unique experience takes place and immediately we feel like we have to tell somebody about it. It's striking to me how many, how many moments take place where we miss the awe because we're too worried about getting it on camera. I remember when I was in my first parish... The, uh, the youth minister was, was firm on not taking pictures of everything. But they would do mental pictures. So they would, in the, in the midst of a joyful moment, rather than actually taking out the phone, this kind of thing, it would just, they would just do this. It was experiencing the awe. And not trying to feel like you have to capture it. That you have to keep it but just to experience it, to feel it, to feel the Lord's presence, to know his beauty, to allow ourselves to be shocked by it, silenced by it, in awe, where the only thing we can do is just stand there. The transfiguration of the Lord was an incredible gift to those three apostles. It's an incredible gift to us because it continues to give and give and give. But all of these things come here to us in this Holy Mass. We've come here intentionally setting setting time aside to come and to pray. We know that we get a meal afterwards, so that helps things. But we've come to pray, to rest with the Lord, to 
hopefully see the stars in their full array and glory in this Mass, and not simply to settle for one or two. We come here in this Mass and are brought up into heaven in the most mysterious of ways. Although it seems that we remain here on earth in the reality and the spiritual things, to the spiritual senses, we are united to heaven here and now. For a few moments, here, we are home. And in the midst of that home, we get to see the sun. We get to see the chosen one who comes to us still behind his veil, not radiant as he would be on the mountain. But he still comes. A lamb of God who comes to show us his love, to nourish us, to strengthen us for the journey. And as we behold him, we behold him in silence. We see his face and we have no words. Let us give thanks to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts to him in this holy mass, to rejoice in this time of prayer, to exult in the awe of the Eucharist, and to know that here, for these few moments, we are home. <laughs>